Coming up on podcast 1884, we talk about 90% Norway. BMW ups their EV spending and batteries everywhere. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Welcome to a new Patreon producer from down under, Andrew Kirsch. Well, it came through in Aussie dollars, so I'm presuming anyway. Andrew, the new producer of this podcast, Andrew Kirsch, thank you so much, along with every single person and organisation that uh, sorts, uh, that supports my work here. And you put this show on the air. For all the other many, many thousands of people who listen every day for free, our Patreons are absolute rock stars. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for Friday, 4th of August. It's Martin Lee here, and it's my job to go through every EV story so you don't have to. We'll start with a great story in France. In July, EVs were 23.3% of the car market, a big increase from 18% the previous year for the same month. Fuller electric vehicles were 13.1% of the market. Plug-in hybrids, 103 Plug-ins on the increase in France, unlike nearly everywhere else where plug-in hybrids are on the, the decrease, perhaps because of recently released models from homegrown brands like uh, Peugeot, Citroën and DS. And they are going further. They've got bigger batteries than ever before. There are concerns, though, about the purchase incentives in France for plug-in hybrids, as they don't guarantee that those vehicles will ever be plugged in as intended. The best-selling pure electric vehicle in France, the little cheap Dacia Spring. Then the Model Y and the Fiat 500. Link in the show notes to find out more. And, as I mentioned in the headline, 90% Norway. That's the usual deal now. Plug-ins, 90% of Norway's auto market in July. And full BEVs continuing to grow. 82% of the market now. If you don't buy an electric car in Norway, you, you really are having a very specific use case for needing to burn anything in Norway. Top sellers, Volkswagen ID4, Skoda Eniac, and the ID Buzz taking the top three spots. That buzz is gorgeous. Uh, combustion powertrains are barely even registering now. There were 109 petrol cars registered in the entire month in the whole country. Norway did introduce higher CO2 taxes back in January. It's the way to do it. Uh, the Xpeng P7, notable performance, making its first volume deliveries. Now, BMW had their earnings call for the second quarter of the year, and they announced increasing investments in electric vehicles after seeing EV deliveries double in the first half of the year. The company's CFO saying that due to high demand for EVs, BMW will increase investments more than initially planned. In the second quarter, development spending rose by a fifth to 1.84 billion euros. Uh, battery-powered cars accounted for 13% of BMW's group deliveries in the first half of the year, driven by the i4 and the iX3. Oh, the iX3 is gorgeous, by the way. So well-built. Great performance. Just brilliant. Perfect. It's like, if, if I was going to have that segment car, you've got so much to, if you've got that much money to spend, so much to choose from with the EQC and the new Audi uh, as well. But that BMW i3 is a really compelling case. All of BMW's EV variants are profitable, they confirmed, a trend that will continue as they're now offering the 7 Series and 5 Series segments in electric form as well. And it's great. I always like to try and remind people of that because especially some people who are a little more tedious will go, oh, EVs aren't profitable. Or you get those people who want to pick a fight because they love Tesla you know, so much and they, you know, want to pick a fight on the internet. And like, oh, only Tesla's profitable. All the others uh, aren't. 
No, all of the VW ID cars are profitable from day one, from the first one that came off the production line. BMW's EVs are all profitable. I don't know, these people just don't understand or pay attention, do they? Uh, BMW's new concept, the new class EV, is going to get a debut September 2nd, by the way, just so you know. Uh, it marks 60 years since their original new class models revolutionised the look of their cars. It's not a single product, it's a platform on which six models will be based initially over the first 24 months. A mini brand crossover will be on the new class platform and there will be a sedan and then a compact SUV and the first ones begin production in 2025 in Hungary and then Munich in 26, then China in 26 as well. A new class platform uses the Gen 6 battery technology 30% more range, 50% reduction in production cost and it will accommodate a battery of 75 to 150 kilowatt hours and it'll use the cylindrical cells, like Tesla. BMW is working on a redesign for their X2, the iX2 variant. If it's a little brother or a little sibling to the iX3, which I've just mentioned, I I really like that car, um, then it'll do very well. They confirmed it back in March, and now we see some spy videos. No engine noise. It's on the track, by the way. No engine noise. And so we know this is the electric version of the iX to 64 kilowatt hour, 65 kilowatt hour battery. We think it'll probably have the similar specs to the iX1. So over 300 horsepower, single motor, dual motor options as well. Anything around 250 miles of range with that size battery uh, would be about right for the iX2. Now, Acura is the newest electric vehicle to arrive on the scene this week. Oh, no, it's a couple of weeks away, actually. Maybe it's next week. August 17th. So, yeah, following week. Uh, The Acura ZDX is going to be shown at Monterey Car Week. The ZDX and ZDX S, or Type S, will be based on General Motors' Ultium platform, the same as the Honda Prologue, and now the Acura brand. Obviously, it's all similar to Honda. Uh, That is going to be also based on the Prologue, based on General Motors' Ultium platform. And if you see any review videos coming out of the Cadillac Lyric, technically, under the skin... These cars won't be a million miles different. The teaser image shows the headlights peering out through a light strip wrapping around the bottom four sides of the pentagon-shaped grille. It'll be the first Acura to feature Google built into the car with the latest apps and services, and it'll be built alongside the Cadillac Lyric in Tennessee. LG Energy Solution is announcing more spending in North America. So it's worth going through what they've already announced, and I think I've got everything here. Constructing factories with more than 300 gigawatt hours worth of annual battery capacity per year. Uh, they're spending 17 billion now through 2025, an increase of investment by the middle of the decade. They should have eight plants either built or in construction in the US and uh, in Ontario as well. Two of them are operational, of course, but the others are all in various stages. Uh, they will have the most gigawatt hour capacity amongst EV battery plants in North America than anybody else, according to Wood McKenzie, the energy research and consulting firm. 300 gigawatt hours is enough to supply, hmm, where do you want to put that? Say four and a half million EVs a year. If it's a 75 kilowatt hour battery, you have smaller batteries, more cars, bigger battery, fewer cars. Of course, like you get that. The ramp up of the Ultium plant with General Motors in Ohio and the increase in cylindrical batteries, which LG also sells to others, the likes of Tesla, were big contributors to the recent boost in revenue they had. The eight North American plants amount to $27 billion in combined, combined investment from LG and their uh, automotive partners. 
two of the plants in Michigan and one in Arizona will be solely owned by LG. Uh, the six of the joint venture plants will allow LG to split the investment with their automaker partners. Uh, they're partnering, you know, with General Motors because the Ultium platform, but also Hyundai, Honda and Stellantis. And the three Ultium cell plants for GM, uh, like I say, if they're not already operational, will be next year and then one in 2025, I think. And so the Holland plant will make the pouch cell batteries. The Queen Creek plant, which starts in 2025, makes cylindricals, and they'll sell to the likes of Lucid and possibly Tesla as well. LG are on a rip right now. And of course, the political environment, the subsidies, the incentives are all catering to that increased spending. Um, But... Uh, they are it's really impressive and i think because these announcements often come out piecemeal they have to because the car makers wouldn't want to share the limelight uh, it's often useful for me on this podcast to try and do a bit of a summary <laughs> sometimes like where are we with like what's the state of play today with all of this investment and that is going to be fantastic and that is annualized production 300 gigawatt hours when those eight plants are open and there's more in the pipeline i'm sure that we don't know about now volvo's plug-in sales did really well in july uh, they reported an increase in their global sales in the first seven months of the year. Volvo sold almost 400,000 cars globally, up 18%. But we want to know about the recharge lineup, don't we? With the fully electric and the plug-in powertrains doubling compared to July last year. Recharge models were 35% of all Volvo cars sold in the month of July. On uh, on a global scale, um, fully electric was 10%. Sales in Europe up 28% compared to the same month last year. Here in Europe, the share of recharge models was 56%. So when you see a Volvo driving down the road, you're more likely for it to have a plug on the side of it than not these days. Volvo in the United States, the number of recharge cars grew by 226%. Uh, year on year, July to July. And uh, 29% of the cars sold there are now recharge models, which is just brilliant. Let's move on and talk about EV registrations here in the UK. Battery electric vehicles saw a 90% increase year on year from July to July. It's now 16% of all new registrations here in the UK are pure BEV. So we know it's about 25% of the market have a plug on the side. And 16% is pure BEV on the month of July. Now, the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, which is the trade body, so all the car makers uh, put their money into that, and then that one organisation speaks on behalf of them, which is useful if you want to have a a difficult argument and not taint your own brand. That's what trade bodies are all about. Uh, They are the voice of the UK car industry. They predict that by the end of the year, a new pure battery electric car is registered every 50 seconds. By the end of 2024, a new BEV will be registered every 40 seconds here in the UK. And positive signs with a record number of new standard public chargers installed. 3,056 new public fast, not sorry, public chargers installed. That's uh, one new charger for every 35 new plug-in vehicles. And they track that number of chargers per cars sold. Now, I know you've got to have metrics. I know you've got to have spreadsheets and presentations and that. It's a bad metric, though, because uh, you need to know what cars are being sold, where they're being sold, how they're going to be charged. Because just simply counting EVs sold, chargers installed, um, that is, we need to get more granular, 
on what kind of chargers, what charge speed, AC, DC, etc. Are they 50 kilowatt DC or 350 kilowatt DC? And then we need to look at the balance of how those people will use those vehicles and what's the use case. You know this, I know this. There needs to be a headline number, I get it, for reporting and, you know, politicians and people who are a, a lower understanding than you and I are at, but... It's not as simple as charges per car sold. It's it's not it, that actually. And actually, I think that it, it we need to get much more nuanced in terms of where do we charge our cars? How do we charge them? Where does the energy come from? At what time of day? Because people get so caught up in DC fast charging, and I know it's important. I get it. I'm not I'm not diminishing it. But man, oh man, AC charging wherever your car is when it's not moving. That's so important as well. Okay, we'll take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about Zika and Tesla and Elon Musk's thoughts on renewables. Stick around. Right, let's talk Audi SQ8 e-tron hitting the US showrooms this autumn. More details revealed about the high-performance version of the Q8 e-tron. Front axle, which is an asynchronous electric motor. Rear axle has two asynchronous electric motors, one on each wheel. And in boost mode, that front axle motor produces 210 horsepower. The two rear ones, 185 horsepower each. 496 horsepower in boost mode, uh, allowing 0-60 miles an hour in 4.2 seconds. And the two electric rear motors on the SQ8 e-tron have those handling advantages over a, a single rear motor, so you can distribute the drive torque, if there is some variability in traction, hundreds, thousands of times a second. And the three-motor drivetrain in the SQ8 improves that acceleration, but also on low-friction surfaces as well. EPA estimated range uh, 253 miles with 20-inch standard wheels. And that will obviously go down if you get the optional big wheels, etc. Should be arriving in showrooms in Q3, Q4 this year. Now let's move on. The first Zika 001 for European customers was just made. It was rolling off the production line this week at Zika's plant in Ningbo and shipping to Europe in mid-August. Zika will offer EV products to Europeans based on a direct-to-customer business model. The first one's the Zika 001 and the Zika X. That's an urban SUV. First one's available in Sweden and the Netherlands by Q4. Other countries will follow. They are Norway, Germany, Denmark and France. Zika began pre-sales of the 001 and the X in Europe late June, I think it was, starting at €60,000 and €45,000, respectively. In China, Tesla sold 64,000 China-made vehicles, both locally and for export as well, which is a 30% decrease and the lowest monthly sales for Tesla in China this whole year. That includes vehicles exported and those delivered within China, according to the China Passenger Car Association. There can be loads of reasons for that, by the way. It could be a factory shutdown. It could be retooling. It just could be seasonality. Listen to podcasts like the ones done by uh, Rob Mara and also uh, Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey. They are Tesla experts. They track the minutia of these things, and they can explain why that was down. But all I'd say is don't look at the monthly figures. Look at you know, three months, yearly rolling averages, etc., and you can see that Tesla is still on a rip in China. Now, Tesla have delayed Model 3 deliveries in Europe. If you go to order a newly configured Model 3, not inventory, but newly configured, the delivery date's now gone back to January next year. And you know I was being a bit of a conspiracy theorist with the UK 
Tesla Model 3, they're now offering 0% finance. Unheard of. Like, the, the in Bank of England put up its interest rates again yesterday, highest in 15 years. So borrowing money is very expensive. Maybe not for Tesla, but uh, they've got plenty of it. But still, for an organisation to give you 0% interest over four years is costing them a lot of money. It means they want to sell their product. They want to get rid of the current Model 3s in inventory. And the, the end of that deal was the end of September. Or I think it was the end of August if you take delivery in September. So I was saying, is October 1st Model 3 refresh day? Because we've been waiting, 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 waiting for Model 3 refresh, called the so-called Highland Edition. It's going to look different, different tech, built differently. And now the European left-hand drive Model 3s, if you order one, it's now showing January. And it was showing, you know, like next week. You can have one tomorrow. So I don't know. Ah, two and two equals five sometimes, but I'm trying to put the points together and work out when this new Model 3 arrives. Elon Musk has been talking about the transition to renewables in places like California and Texas, and it's not the production, it's the storage. And that's convenient because he runs a company which sells energy storage, but he's actually got a very good point, and a complete, I mean, complete lockstep agreement with Elon Musk about this. His statement came in a response to a comment by the Stripe CEO, Patrick Collinson, who said that California's grid was 85% renewables even in winter and spends over 50% of it every day. Elon Musk replied to emphasise that because of the intermittent nature of renewables, storage is important at utility scale. Completely agree. The mega pack, which Tesla make, is a substantial energy storage. Three megawatt hours for each of those like three and a half thousand homes for an hour and so you know if in a, in a power cut you often cut down your usage anyway and so um, but peak times energy storage is important if you're just talking about normal conditions uh, the reason why grid storage is so it's so so important look all that fossil fuels are you know when we release energy from a fossil fuel normally through heat that's just stored energy and so i don't know why so many many people can't get their head around Renewables are great, but we need to make renewables stored energy as well. And at the minute, the best technology, there's many, many, as you know, lithium-ion batteries and the various chemistries of batteries is such a good way to go. Let's talk the last three stories. NEO and their strategic partnerships with the oil industry. NEO is accelerating the expansion of their battery swapping network through partnerships with China's oil companies. And I've said this many times on the podcast, big oil companies are not stupid. In fact, any big company, full stop, any company that's good at making money tends to be pretty good at making money. Now, sure, there's been loads of examples over the years, you know, the Nokias and Blackberries and, you know, big companies fail. But big oil companies tend to know how to make money, and they'll know how to make money in an EV future like this. NEO doing a deal with China's big oil companies. Their ambition to build 4,000 battery-swapping stations worldwide by 2025 aligns with the strategy of the big oil companies to carry on selling you energy. And uh, they're expanding into non-oil ventures. NEO signed strategic cooperation agreements with BP and Shell recently outside of China to develop a network of battery swapping stations with 100 of them live by 2025 in Europe. Right, last two stories. The UK government is being criticised by the i-newspaper here for transferring £136 million from their EV fund into their nuclear fund, the Automotive Transformation Fund. What a grand name. The Automotive Transformation Fund was designed to support car manufacturers and 
develop and build EVs in the UK. They decided to spend just 5% of that funding uh, on the EV industry and instead give the rest of the money uh, to the Sizewell C nuclear project. Thank you very much, British government. My estimation of politicians is low most of the time and who would have thunked that it could sunk even lower? Uh, and finally, workplace EV charging is set to double the Arval Mobility Observatory barometer survey that they do uh, here in the UK, by the way. Uh, but I'm sure this is the case in many places. Shows an increasing number of employers are offering on-site EV charging for employees with that number set to double over the next 12 months. Currently, one in five businesses have some form of EV charging. 20% is huge. Even like, the amount of small businesses out there. And I do see a lot of chargers on the wall outside businesses, you know, even like one or two, a little zappy or something. But one in five businesses currently have available charging at their premises. That will increase to two in five within the next 12 months. Research highlighting the divergence when it comes to attitudes towards home charging. Uh, A third of businesses will pay for an employee to have a home charger. And two thirds of the minute feel that cost should be borne by the employee. And that's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future. Check him out at ef.energy. Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments providing all the tools and guidance that EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.